listening to season two of Pod. We are sisters, one West Coast, one East Coast, one straight mom of toddler twins, one gay, uh, multiply divorced, <laughs> one lifelong gag of the Chrissy fan, one new reader. Season one got the two of us through the first shitty year of COVID. Follow along with us for season two as we drink and sometimes remember to talk about the book. in person again yeah because amanda is still here in uh, our side of the country so today we are discussing five little pigs which is from 1942 and was published in u.s under the title murder in retrospect that's so much okay that's so much better but like that <laughs> brings me to question number one but keep going you're done you're okay. nice little intro so, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a good segue. Why the hell is it called Five Little Pigs? Right, and it was like, because he done the, just recently, there was like the one, two book on my shoe, so it was like, she was like on a nursery rhyme, nursery rhyme kick, and like, and so he pulls it through the book, but it never makes sense. He'll be like, and then I talked to the next person, who was the one that went wee 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 all the and, way home. And, and did, did we call that nursery rhyme Five Little Pigs? Because this little pig went to market, this little pig saved home this little pig ate roast beef this little pig had none and this little pig went wee 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 all the way home was that called five little pigs i mean to agatha christie in england 100 years ago maybe i don't know her yeah life. i just yeah that's true you're right we, didn't, we don't necessarily call it i that, wouldn't have maybe. called that one but that. also like it didn't every time blue and she'd be like and there's the roast beef like when paro would be in his intro right, monologue, he'd be like, like you're trying too hard yeah and then be like well, this clearly wasn't the one that had none and i was like what like it didn't pull through with the story and i didn't know right. it almost felt like an afterthought like she plunked it in or right like when she the re, uh, she did such a good job with it in the unfortunate um and then there were none and then a decent job with my, on one to buckle my shoe. Well, even then, it was just like that was just the solution was the buckle, but it yeah. didn't like right. But then, yeah, but yeah, because but in in one to make my shoe, like she uses it for each chapter, which yeah, is like a, a thing. But again, it, it feels like does it have to be a nursery rhyme? Yeah, <laughs> Every this time? one. Yeah, so murder in retrospect is much more what it is. Like that's when when you when I was just rereading, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This is cool because it's a cold case. Yeah, and because it's also very conveniently. Wrote written in the middle of uh, World War Two, and once again, she gets to ignore that that war is happening at all. No mention because they're the murder that's there. He investigates happened sixteen years ago, right? Um, but this also could have been any time. Like again, there's no mention of the there's war. There's no context. Yeah. Yeah, and weirdly, like when um, there is some references to a date, the date is blocked out. Because Miss Williams' story, she goes, I was hired in 19... <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember how that was in the in Yeah, the and it was like, well, what? You know. So, so then she was trying to, like, not make it time-stamped. Right, For right. the reader. Okay, interesting. So, anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, there's no World War Two. So, 
the premise is, because this is a cold case, definitely yeah. a cold case. Uh, do you want to introduce the, that character? Or? Okay. Carla something, something. Okay, so it opens with um, Poirot saying, you're right, you're trying to size me up. And he's saying that to... You put me on the spot. Sorry, Carla. Carla Lamarchant. Yeah. Who's 21. Exactly. And we know this. Because she was five. Right. When all this happened and she just turned 21 and she just found out what happened because she got a letter. So she's been in Canada all this time and basically what happened was like her mother was convicted for killing her father and to just save her from all of that she they shipped her to Canada and changed her name and she lived with an aunt and uncle and was very happy and successful but she's of age and about to get married and so she got a letter from her mother saying and then like i guess and she she you know they couldn't keep her from knowing what happened and the letter from her mother said i didn't do it this is what happened and i didn't do it right and so she goes to Poirot to say hey i want you to investigate to find out what did happen and her reasoning was, she thinks that her fiancé looks at her crazy. Like, she'll, she'll catch his glance and say, like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I can totally marry you. But then, like, she thinks that he thinks that, like, one day he, she's going to be poisony, too. Right, because her mom was poisony. I like that. Be poisony. Um, so, so it's important for her to know the truth. And since her, her, before she died, her mom wrote her a letter and was like, I didn't do it. And uh, her mom got convicted, sent to penal servitude, not jail, but died a year after she was convicted. Right. So, um, so that's the premise. And then the rest of the book is just Poro talking to people about the past, which, you know, is way up his angle. There's no clues. There's no, like... It's, it's all just, about the psychology of the victim. It's all about... Was that your French accent or your Belgian accent? Uh, please... No, that was terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I apologize for whatever that was. Psychology. <laughs> okay, that was worse. <laughs> but, so... And the reason that the mother was was accused of killing the father was he was a great artist and um, not a... Great husband. Great husband. And so they were always fighting, and... And he would have affairs, and then this one, he had another affair, and then... Yeah. And, but the, this one, this affair was most serious, and, like, the he was talking about, or at least the woman was talking about, the, the young woman that he was having an affair with, like, living in the house with them all together. Again, it's very Agatha Christie, it's, like, big, big estate, we're all oh together. God. This is the, the, another there. murder in a bottle, but it's a murder in a bottle that was 16 years ago. So, Poirot starts by going to all the lawyers and cops... Um, and so we don't meet these people again or really get to know them, but there was like yeah, the, the defense attorney, the defense attorney, the prosecutor mm-hmm. and the cop. So he talks and kind of gets the facts of the case. Um, but, um, we don't need to know any of their names because yeah, they just there to give their sort of their side of things. So the like, basic facts of the story is there were five people there besides. So this, the girl who was at the beginning of the story is now 21 was actually visiting her grandmother, so she wasn't there. 
Um, and so then the five people besides the... Okay, so oh, the girl was away from the house at the time. Okay. Yeah. So besides the victim and the person who was a convicted for it, the husband and wife, there was the wife's younger sister, much younger, like half-sister, um, two neighbor guys... Was a teenager. Yeah, she was like 16, 15 or 16. Two neighbor guys who were the same age as the husband and had been grown up and known the husband and wife forever since they were teenagers. Who were brothers. Who were brothers. Um, the governess who was... Governess seemed like... I wouldn't describe it. It was like the homeschool teacher for the teenager. Right. Because when I hear governess, I'm like, oh, you're taking care of the five-year-old. No, she was taking care of the 16-year-old. And she wasn't taking care of her. She was educating her. I know nothing about governesses. Me neither. Job. I have no <laughs> idea. Me neither. Yeah. And then... Um, uh, and then the girl who was having the affair with the husband. Um, right. And that's one of the questions, I think, at the end of the day. Was this affair any different, or was she just young? Much younger than the kind of affairs he's had. Or I think, I thought that the difference was that he was, like, he said to his best friend, this is my best art piece ever, and when Prauro saw the painting, he saw how powerful it was and how amazing it was. And that what he captured in her, his image of her was this image of perfect youth. Right. And so I think he was in love with the art that he was making. Right. And then, like, she was the worst. And so I think he was able to see that she was the worst. Right. And, like, as he was finishing the painting, he wasn't... Right, yeah. And also, to back go. to a but theme. It was, for him, like, he was obsessed with his art, so it was all about, like, her as a muse, and so I think he got cut up in her as a muse. Right. And back to our theme of, like, that often cre creeps us out, um, is that she was 20, and the guy was almost 40. Right. So, um, so we've discussed our feelings about this before, especially Amanda, so. <laughs> I mean... I know. Is it, am I unique? In, no, you're not. Class? You're okay. not. So, um, all five of those people are still alive. And so then, um, Paro goes to interview each of them. The, so the book premise, after he talks to the cops and the lawyers, the book premise is he goes to interview all five of them once. Then he asks each of them to write down their memories. So then we hear from their own writing point of view. Then he goes back and asks them all one more question. And then he has the magical... Get everybody together. Get everybody together uh, reveal time. Right. Um, and so the premise of the story is different from a lot of like... We're still... The bottle is still there when you have murder in a bottle and their bottle is all together still. All these people were all in different places and had moved on with their lives. But again, we had a limited cast of suspects, so it was... a bottle in that sense yeah but i mean like but they weren't still together no but it couldn't but it had to be one of them yeah but it had to be one of those five so then we get back to the fact that it was called five little pigs so apparently when paro was talking to i can't remember if it was a prosecutor or a cop or you know whatever he said that he had the nursery in mind in his head of the five little pigs because there were five and then so when he talks to each of these five he assigns them the First little pig went to market, etc., etc. Yeah, and there's nothing that like that. And I don't know if that nursery rhyme was always about toes, or it's just in my experience it was about toes. I thought it was about toes. Um, but like, there's nothing about toes. There's nothing about pigs. There's nothing that like 
it's like, are you okay, bro? Did you do some drugs? Like, <laughs> it's just like, it's not like when he's like, oh, this makes me think of, like, when he said went to Book of My Shoe, there was a buckle thing. Okay, right, I get right. it, right? And, like, but the other racist nursery rhyme, they're, like, dropping off, like, you know, what, like, it, it yeah. made sense. But in this one, it's just like... The 70-year-old is doing a, this little piggy went to market. That's what you say to a little kid when you're playing with their toes. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it just, it, it felt, like, really forced. But yeah. Although, I would say, like, generally, I think this is an excellent book. That was the only thing I didn't like about it. I right. thought, yeah, that like, part. it's so good. And, like, the, the fake who you think... You know what I mean? And, yeah. like, the characters are really interesting. And, like, I feel like this is one of her most mature... Like, the characters all, like, are like, yeah, that could be a person. Oh, definitely. Like, they don't... They're not one-dimensional and... But, yeah, And so... the cold case, the story, like, like, just the way that she does the mystery and the way that he doesn't do, like, well, then I knew, but I just didn't tell you for four months or something. No, like, he, like he, we're figuring it out. With, I don't know. I really like the book, but the biggest thing is dumb. Well, that was a funny thing was, is that when we looked up what was the next book to read and I looked at the story, I was like, I have no memory of this. And then as soon as I started reading it, I was like, oh, right. And it was because the five little pigs part doesn't stick with you. Right. right. Yeah. The title means nothing. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, we can let that go. Yeah. We could let it go, but it was, yeah, weird. So, cause just to say that like the Philip Blake was the piggy who went to market. Meredith Blake was the piggy who stayed home. Elsa, who was the uh, girl he was having an affair with, who now is a three times divorced, no judging. Um, <laughs> but she is. She keeps marrying higher in society. Now, so now she's a lady or now something. Now she's a lady. Um, had roast beef. Um, the governess, Cecilia Williams, but everybody calls her Miss Williams, had none because she was poor, I guess. And then um, the half-sister uh, went wee, wee, wee all the way home, which was really, but uh, the, the premise for that one to be wee, wee, wee is that apparently when Caroline, the one who was convicted of the murder, had this half-sister born and Caroline was a teenager and was resentful of having a half-sister, a baby in the house when she was a teenager because... You, as one, is sometimes resentful of a younger sibling, but she was like a lot older because she avoided eye contact me with, with me when she said that. I she, didn't know. she looked away. She's like, as someone sometimes resents a younger younger sibling and that wants is, to hit them in the head with something to figure them forever. She didn't do that. I'm just saying. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I did not. I, I did. joke. I joke. But it's not uncommon for older siblings to be like, hey, my place is the top of the heap is gone. Yeah. But I can imagine with a teenager, you'd be like, there's a baby? What the heck? Right. Um, so anyway, apparently Caroline lost her temper when she was 15 or something, threw a paperweight at the baby and hit the baby's face, which hurt her, like permanently scarred her, messed right. up an eye and... Yeah, she's she blind in one eye and has a scar, a noticeable scar on her face. And yeah. so then, from then on, she just felt really guilty. And I guess the parents died because the sister was living with her. Yeah, I don't, yeah, that part I didn't quite catch. But I yeah, she just, that. from then on, like, always, like, just cared for her sister and, like, couldn't, she could do no wrong. And right, right. Her husband and the sister would, like, fight and she always took her sister's side because she was very, like, kind of just had this guilt. Yeah. Forever. 
So, I guess that was the wee 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 all the way home, but it doesn't quite work. It's a stretch. I feel like they all were. So, the two Anyways. brothers who were... Yeah, so after he talks to the defense attorney and the prosecutor, cops, whatever, the first brother he, she, he talks to is Philip Blake, who's a rich stockbroker, who's the same age as the murder victor, Amius, Amius Crail, how do you say his name? It had a very unusual first name, Amius or something like that. Amias. Amias? Okay. Every time, like, you ask me, and I'll be like, I had it, and then you say something that, you know, because, like, yeah, when you're reading something, you don't know, and then I'm like, oh, I lost it. But no, it's Amias Crail. Anyway, so Philip and Amias were the same age? Around. Yeah. Um, and they grew up close next to each other, at the estates next to each other in the on the British countryside. I didn't quite catch where the British countryside, I didn't know, but it's on the beach, and yeah. apparently gorgeous. And it was one of those things, like, now, because when they visit this the site now, like, it's been, like, sold, and, like, it's, it's like, been broken up into, like, vacation rentals. Right. But at uh-huh. the time, it was, like, two rich families with ridiculously large estates. Yeah. So, Philip um, and Meredith grew up to, next to Amias, and Caroline lived down the street or something. Like, they yeah. all grew up together. So, Philip was rich, um, and he was Amias's best friend or something. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, like, and it was, like, such an intense bad friendship. You were like, was it kind of gay? Like, and then you realize it wasn't when you get the, the rest of the plot. But there's definitely, like, yeah, a yeah. moment where he just, like... Yeah, there was definitely some... Throws him so hard. Just yeah. Like... But um, what's interesting is, because part of the question, is, since we're looking back, is where are these people now? So Philip was a stockbroker, because he was almost 40, when the murder happened. And he's still a stockbroker, because he would be, like, you know... Mm-hmm. 56 or something, you know, like, um, but he was just trashing on Amias's wife, Caroline, and was like, she totally did it, she's a bitch, like, he was definitely... I always hated her, and then she did it, and she's the worst, and also all women, but also her. Right. All women, but her too. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly her. But Amias was my bro. Yeah. Yeah. And then he went and talked to Meredith, and Meredith was the piggy who stayed home. I'm still using this... Thing, construct that we didn't like very much <laughs> um but uh but he his brother had gone and lived in london and became a stockbroker but meredith stayed at the state they grew up in and i guess that's why he stayed home and he was um he was really into botany yeah he had an herbalist, Herb- herbalist? He had yeah grown all these things and that's how the poison even happened because he had his like greenhouse or whatever and he'd taken everybody through and toured and been like okay these are my different exotic plants and this and that, and that one's a poison. These are tinctures that I'm making and took them all through. And that's where Caroline took the poison from. We can't figure out how to pronounce the poison, which I did the audiobook, so that's all on me. Cause what's Conine. Up? We, C-O-N-I-I-N-E. Because, like, why would you have two eyes together? What is this? Dutch? I mean, come on. <laughs> we do well, not... it can also just be like a... You know, when you just, like, put a suffix on something, like, the right. essence of something, like, you know? Conine? Conine. When I asked Google, it said conine, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure he didn't say that in the book, but no, I can't find it, so. But, um, anyway, it's hemlock. It's what Socrates killed himself with. And that was important because, apparently, everybody had visited Meredith's, like, herbal, you know, cupboard. 
It was like a room where he had all this stuff in it and he was like, this is so exciting. Yeah, he was giving them a tour and he was so excited. And then he talked about that and then had them read a passage from Socrates, which was very funny to hear. Like one people were like, that was gorgeous and wonderful. And other people were like, was this stupid boring? Why would we ever listen to a passage from right. Socrates? Um, and he kind of beat, beat himself up because he was like so proud of himself and his plans and all the things and his demonstration and the whole Socrates thing. And then that's where she got the poison. Right. And so he was like, ah. But he really liked Caroline. Right. And he kept on talking about how much he liked Caroline. And he could tell that he wished that she, because they all grew up together. So he wished that she'd chosen him. Right. That's what he said. But he also did a, I actually got the, gay vibe from him where it was like Caroline was his best friend but he actually you know like best friend of Caroline as opposed to yeah. being in love with her that's the vibe I got from him okay but then I guess Christy doesn't didn't think like that so right but either way he had a lot of empathy for her right still thought she did it though and yeah everybody well yeah for a while and then so uh the third, did he talk to Elsa next? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Elsa So he was, talks to the two brothers. Oh, but the, the funny part is that, like, he plays them against each other. So he, he goes to, so he asks at the end of talking to Philip, he's like, right, he's like, um, uh, was like, okay, so you took it for what you told me, will you just write down your recollections? And like, and he's like, that's a long time ago, I won't remember. He's like, that's okay, even if you remember wrong, I, you know, it'll help me. And then when he gets to Meredith, after talking to Meredith a whole bunch, he's like, yeah, that's what your brother said. And he's like, wait, you've talked to my brother? You should talk to me. And they clearly like, don't get along. They're totally different. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of like, write their verb written accounts like in rebuttal to each other. Like, I know he's going to say this, but I'll say that. Right. And the tension between them made it much more interesting than if it was just, like, right. two reports from the same night. Like, it was like, right. and I know you're going to read this from my brother, but he's wrong because this, 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 right. this. And so, like, there, I thought their tension was really, you know. And they still clearly had some brotherly, like, competition. And they're in their 50s now because yeah. they would have, you know, going on time. So Elsa, who was 20 at the time, is now 36, still very young. Right. Which is actually, when you think about that she's been married three times, and she's 36, that's impressive. Okay, you know? Because, as, as we know, it just, it, it's, it takes a lot of time. I mean, it depends on how long you spend in each one. You know, you can be more efficient with it if you're on your way. Yeah, quickly. that's true. That's true. Um, so, then he goes and visits her, which is funny, because the first thing he does is meets her husband, who she, um doesn't care about oh and oh i forgot to say when he visits meredith he gets to see the painting which was what amias was working on and he'd he seen a few with philip but when he but meredith had the painting that, that painting. was the one he was working on of elsa that caused all this drama and so he sees it and he's like his breath is taken away it's a beautiful piece and it's subtle and it takes a minute to hit you and he's like i can see so and captures youth very well but not in a, like, he wasn't traditionally, like, he didn't paint people. He wasn't a painter who painted people. Um, so it was unusual for him to do that. Um, but he captured this moment of this young person uh, well. 
And so then he goes to visit this person now, 16 years later, who's still beautiful. And what the painting showed was somebody who's very, very alive. Um, right, just that vibrance. Yeah, it kept on talking about how she was very, very alive, and then the painting captured her. And then he meets Lady, renowned Lady Didishem, mm-hmm. Elsa now married and stuff, and he was like, oh, this woman is dead. Right. Dead eyes. Just right. doesn't give a shit about anything. Dead, dead, dead. Yeah, and there's definitely this thing about, it's funny, because like, there's this thing about like money and taste and stuff, and like, so she's a social climber. She, like, hooked herself to Amias, and then, like, she married three times, a higher status each time. But also, she had money to begin with, right? Wasn't she rich when she... I think she was rich when she met him, too. She was new money rich, mm. but now she got herself a title. You're right. But, right, yeah, she was the daughter of new money. Right, that's right. Um, and, but anyways, when he, when he gets to that house, he meets the husband, which is in, like, a tastefully appointed room, but then the rest of the house is just, like, he's, like, just money to spend money. Like, right. just, like, get the most expensive one of everything. That's what this house... wasn't even, like, necessarily gaudy. Right. It was just, like, just money to spend money. Like, that sort of thing. Like, no taste and no even viewpoint. Just, like, gets me the most expensive one of everything. So, so he kind of makes that, you know, that point about taste. And so she says, like, oh, I'm so interested to talk to you. But, like, clearly is not interested in anything. She is just dead inside. Yeah. But she starts to have a little bit of animation. Totally has that. Animation when he's like, so tell me what happened. And then she starts to bring up some of that fire. And then he asks her to write down her version of it. Right. And basically she's like, I mean, I, he, he was over his wife. He hated her. I, and she was, she basically said she was the worst kind of person because she was like not letting her husband just go to me and it was like just a really interesting perspective because like here you are like a younger woman living in this woman's house oh yeah and she, like yeah she was but she and she was very bold about it like and they had that kind of arrogance of youth that i remember i don't remember thinking i was so wonderful that somebody would fall in love with me and me in my case it was my arrogance was about brains you know like i definitely when i was 18 thought that i was incredibly smart and oh we all were so smart when we were young and then cringe cringe yeah like it definitely was like okay um later it was like oops sorry about that everyone i was arrogant um but she had that kind of arrogance like of course he's gonna leave her for me and of course the best thing for her to do is just to like give up and walk away and do the thing and take the kid and blah, blah, blah you know back and my cat is being friendly to my sister and my sister doesn't know how to take it we're back oh it didn't last didn't last she's now purring over you right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably hear the purrs yep so we we were we were talking about elsa being seeming oh yeah dead eyes we were talking about elsa and like that, that she was the one that had none. No. What? What was her rose beef? Oh yeah, yeah. Because she had so much. But but the, the painting of her was about youth and vibrancy and what it means to be young. And now she's thirty six and dead, according to Pearl. Dead eyes, dead energy, not actually dead. So then, 
Um, she agrees to write her own. Then he goes and interviews the governess. Well, and basically the summary, I think I sort of said this, but the summary of hers was like, oh, the wife totally did it. She was the worst. She didn't just give up her husband to me. And he totally loved me. And and she was the worst kind of woman because she didn't recognize that she should just, that, you know, she should just recognize me as the the new femme power around here. Like, that makes you a bad person. So it was an interesting take. So, then we go interview the governess, and <laughs> she's the little piggy who had none, but she was she was poor, but she was smart, she was an educator. And she wasn't poor, she was just like regular working class, right? Like, it wasn't like... Yeah, compared she to was, He didn't other... walk through squalor or something, it was just like she right. was living in a boarding house or whatever. She yeah. was poor, but yeah. But she was very smart, she loved educating, she clearly was, really enjoyed educating Angela on top of her stuff um and he's like so actually when he's interviewing he pretends to the brother and maybe to elsa i can't forget i can't remember um he doesn't say why he's investigating he says he's writing a book right he says somebody's writing somebody's writing a book and i'm verifying i'm basically fact checking a book that's being written about this murder but he says as soon as the governess asks him things he's he feels like a little boy who's like well, the, you know, he totally tells the truth. Yeah, because he's like, there's no point in trying to lie to her. She'll see right through me. So he right. just tells her the truth right away. And she's actually really glad to hear, you know, the status of the little girl. And that, you know, she's like, great, good for her. I'm glad she's looking into this. And then, so she clearly liked, had worked for them for a couple of years to help out Angela, to teach Angela. Um, and really liked Caroline, the wife, and hated the husband. And then she says something like, well, you know, he was a man. And the book says the greatest thing she go. He said, the way that a Bolshevik would say capitalist, the way that a stockbroker would say communist, the way that, I can't remember what the third example was, that is how she said men. Yeah. She is a tried and true feminist. And it was just the way, just I thought the... Yeah, like so that you could really understand the disdain in her voice when yes. she said, "You know, he was a man," and it, right. like, and it was hilarious. But I just loved his. Now I can't remember what the third example was, of like, but the way that you would just say, "Yeah." Oh, it was like um, the way a housewife would talk about like a pest <laughs> in your kitchen. I can't remember. It was like something, something like, like that. Yeah, fruit flies or something. Right. Um. Yeah. The, but that's what I loved it. The three examples were a communist, a capitalist, and a fruit fly. That's how she said, you know, men. <laughs> right. And so the point was that she was a man-hating feminist. Um, and um, Agatha Christie used the word feminist, too, which mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about. Feminist well, being we, a term in 42, but... Yeah. Um, anyway, but... She totally thought that he deserved it. He deserved it. She thought he, that the wife did it, but he was like, she was like, but I mean, he deserved it. He was, he the was a horrible person. Yeah. And thought that he, that Caroline did it, but she also thought that Caroline should have done it a long time ago or something. So yeah, that, or that he deserved it and yeah. And then she agreed to write her recollection. Right. Um, and then we went to the last little piggy, which is the wee wee wee, which is the one that really the analogy just falls apart. 
which the, was Angela, the little the, sister, yeah, the little sister who was sixteen when this happened, which means she's now thirty-two. Okay, so Angela's a fascinating character. So her character is that as a baby, she was scarred and she lost sight in one eye, and she was scarred in a way that was very noticeable on her face. They use the term disfigured, which I would not, but you know, they basically she had a noticeable scar in her face, which affected her socially. So because her sister is the one that hurt her, she kind of then got spoiled as a teenager by her sister who was raising her um, because her sister would do anything for her. And she said, like, when when he, she's being interviewed by Prowro, she's like, that was terrible for me. She spoiled me and I was, you know. But then after um, Caroline dies, or Caroline is convicted and goes away and then dies, she goes to Born- Germany. But she went to a boarding school, which she was going to go anyway. That was part of the plot. But Well, yeah, that was part of the plot. Um, was that um, Amaya's got sick of... Because she and Amaya's had all this tension. And she, being a 16-year-old, did pranks on him a lot. Right. Put slugs in his bed, and that was really pissed him off. To be fair, that would really piss me off. Oh, my God. That's so disgusting. I might not forgive someone for that. I know, right? Um... She puts salt in his beer. She puts slugs in his bed. Right. She kind of, like, t- torments him. Because she... But he just... also is... He's kind of the worst, too. So, like, you know, you can see both sides of it. Um, and and so he gets sick of it one day. And she's, he's like, she's going to boarding school. And he kind of makes this, like, hard decision. And she's really upset about it. And so when... Although she later says, like, I actually wanted to go because she needed to learn beyond what... Miss Williams was teaching her. Right. But because he had said he wanted her to go, she was pissed about it. Like, right. it was a rebellion thing. Right. It was just like, they didn't see me along. I don't like yeah. a good idea from a bad person. Right. But what was interesting is that, um, when he's, when, when Paro's talking to her, again, he doesn't give any pretext to her. He tells the truth to her. Oh, and, and now she's a really accomplished person. Oh, yeah. She's, she's an archaeologist. She speaks all over the world. And it's kind of like, it's interesting the takes on feminism. Where, like, you know, where there's the, the man-hating governess. And then, like, they kind of paint her because she had this, like, physical challenge and wasn't perceived to be attractive, which she would have been, according to whatever. Prorose, said um, yeah. That she just focuses on being really smart, and so she's this talented archaeologist. Interesting, it's an archaeologist. I know, right? Agatha Christie. Um, just I just processed that, but yeah. she's this just talented. Remember that Agatha Christie's second husband is an archaeologist, and that's what she did a lot of traveling with him during this time. But um, so she's world renowned and really respected and a scholar and all this stuff, and so it's kind of like she wasn't. And and she says to Praro that she's never had love affairs. So, it's kind of like, without the burden of men, of men, she's very accomplished, and you know? But then, but then what's interesting, she's like, I have a, I have a letter from my sister, and basically, when, was it before she died or when she went to jail? There wasn't that long in between. Right. Basically, when her sister went to jail, she sends her sister a letter, and she kept her far away, so when Caroline goes... As soon as he died... Like she, she like ships her out. She's like she's gone. We don't need her to testify. Get her out of here. Right. And um, when she goes to jail, she sends this letter, which Angela took as 
just comforting and like that she didn't do it. But Although it doesn't say in the letter she didn't do it. It just says, I'm at peace now. Don't worry about anything. She everything's just says, okay. everything's fine. Don't worry. You know, debts must be paid. Right. Um, no, and just she just says, like, just go off and have a great life and do your best and study hard and everything's right. going to be fine now and everything. But, like... When you when you read that, you're like, there's a lot going on in this letter. Which actually, Poirot kind of says. Like, he reads it twice and he's like, whoa, this kind of changes everything. Right, and he's like, she never said that she was innocent. And Angela was like, well, she didn't have to. Like, I totally knew she was innocent. But and also the tone doesn't... Yeah, and it's interesting because you could read so... I really like this letter as a plot tool. Because depending on what you believe, the wording could be construed. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, if you believe she's guilty and she says debts must be paid, then you see it that way. And basically she's like, I'm going to Elias. Basically, I'm going to die. I'm going to Elias. Um, Amias? Amias, sorry. Okay. Amias. I'm going, I'm going to him. Debts must be paid. I couldn't live without him anyway. Blah, 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 blah. Um. I have a funny story about that in a second, but finish your point. Okay. Um, and it, so if you think she's guilty, it reads right. If you think she's innocent you're like okay it kind of works and then what the book is starting to make us think at this point it um is that is that the sister did it and she's covering for her you know like so the 16 year old bitter because he's sending her away to boarding school so she takes the fall sends her sister away and says don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Don't feel bad. Don't right. worry about me. Debts must be paid. So I, I fucked up your life, but I'm making the fall for this murder. Go and live your life, and that will be what's great. Which, by the way, the first time I read this, I definitely didn't catch that all the clues heading towards the 16-year-old time. Oh, you didn't? Didn't get it. It was a shock to me at the end when it was like, oh, she was totally trying to cover for her sister. And then I was like, oh. Duh. Right, because it was like there was this argument about the boarding school, and she was so mad about that. And, and she did pranks anyway, and then, you know, this time when I reread it, I was remembering all that, and the morning of the murder, Miss Williams couldn't find her, and where did she go? She clearly went back to the um, herbalist container, and it turned out she did, but she went to go get Valerian. To right. put in his beer, not right, not a poison. But I didn't catch that the first time. So funny little story about Amias versus Elias. So I was in a board game. So my husband and I like to play board games. He, like that's his gig, and I've enjoyed doing that. But like fancy, complicated ones. Um, so we, my current sleeping situation is is next to nine thousand board games. <laughs> board games, yeah. None of which I've heard of. <laughs> so there's a board game called Pandemic, and then there's Legacy Games, which is kind of like playing a video game where you start it and then you play all the way to the end and you finish it and you're done. So it's a board game that you play it, and then every time you play, the game changes, and you play like 12 or 13 times, and then you finish the game and you're done with the game. Like, you can't play it again. Okay. Um, this is called a Legacy Game, and it's a new thing maybe in the last five ten years so we've played this game called pandemic and um pandemic has and now the legacy have seasons they have season one season two so season zero goes back in time
We're playing this game, um, Pandemic Season Zero, and in it, it's Cold War. It's set in the Cold War, and so like we're Americans and we're trying to like stop the Soviets, and so we keep having to choose an alias. And one of our, the couple we play with, he could not say the word alias. He would always say Elias. <laughs> Every time, and it was so funny because we would be like, "It's not pronounced Elias; it's Alias." Why You're choosing a regular it. English word. <laughs> but there was the, a show called that. Like, months, months of playing this game, and he would go Elias, you know, and we'd be like, "It's it's Alias, it's still Alias." Is English his first language? Yes. That's so funny. I feel like it's a regular also, English word. Has an English degree. So. Oh my God. That's hilarious. It just hits his brain that way. Yeah, there's certain words that we just can't say. So you said Elias, and I was like, Elias! <laughs> My old friend, Elias. Um. <laughs> anyway, so Amias, who's clearly um, siblings with Elias. Um. <laughs> so now we've talked to all five of the pigs. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. <laughs> so we've now talked to... I'm trying to make, give us the same amount. I'm trying to be totally fair. Because... You are your son's mother. Well, also... Maybe you a... want one tomato? Want a man to have a tomato? My son is Bernie Sanders. He's three-year-old <laughs> Bernie Sanders. Anytime he has something, he has to give it to everybody else, and it's adorable. It's wonderful, and he gets aggressive. Like if you don't want the thing, he's like gets really sad because <laughs> like I don't want a tomato. <laughs> and he'll give you more than he gave himself again. Like he'll be like he'll just have one. He'll want to give keep giving him. If you eat yours and you're out, you don't have one right now. You need another one. And his sister takes advantage of that when they're eating fruit. Bars. Oh my gosh! So a dessert today. You know, he, she finished his, so she has a great appetite, and he's often at dinner, not, doesn't have a big appetite. So she, like, ate 17 servings, and then ate his serving, because he wasn't eating it, of the food. Then, so they're having ice cream after, and he's taking his time, he's taking his dainty little time, as he does, waiting for it to melt, which he likes to eat, all the ice, all the chocolate chips off the top, and then he's waiting for it to melt, just patiently. And then she comes over, and she's like, like... Basically, like, give me the rest. <laughs> and I was like, I think he wants this. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like looking at the bowl like, so you know I finished your plates, right? I can finish his ice cream too. And she probably would have done it, but I was like, let him have his ice cream. Oh my God, she is so mean. Because I definitely remember looking <laughs> at your you plate when we were kids and be like, so are you eating that? Because if you're not eating that, I'll eat it. Are you sure you want it? I don't know when I lost that trick. Because I definitely, as a kid, like you... It was easy for you to eat, and like as a kid, I would stop when I was full. Not now. Now I eat my feelings, but when I was a kid, I was wired. I would just be like, I'm done. Yeah, I definitely... The other funniest thing with him and food today was this morning, I come upstairs, and I'm not a morning person. I'm making my coffee, whatever. He's got this plate of like cinnamon toast and like apples and stuff, and I'm like, oh, that's good. But it's like untouched. <laughs> and he's like, mommy, you need to see it. And I was like... Cool, whatever. And then we're going along. Annika's eating. And, like, you're, you're, you know, Chris is, like, whatever. And then, like, every time we encourage him to take a bite of anything, this is untouched breakfast. And he's like, Mom, I need to see it. And I and was in the, the shower. By the and way. he knows this. 
he's I three. This, I, every weekend. He's he's three, but he understands that if you tell him. So I'm like, well, okay, well, she's in the shower, and she doesn't know you're waiting. So you, like, I was, and I literally took a picture of myself, but I didn't show it to you, <laughs> of him and his breakfast, and just the breakfast, and be like, okay, so if she sees this, has the magnificence of this, can you eat it? No. And he wasn't impatient at all. He was fine. We were impatient. Like, you need to eat this. And I was actually thinking, like, I'm also a slow eater in the morning. I can't eat a lot early. He was literally just so proud and happy. And as soon as you came, then he started eating it. Like, he was like, Mommy needs to see it. And, like, and then he well, ate all of the cinnamon toast. Yeah, it was so funny. But he's right? sitting there just, like, and just patently smiling and so happy. <laughs> and he showed it to me, but that wasn't enough. He's like, Mommy needs to see it. And it was just, like, so proud. I don't know why he was so proud. Was just... He didn't make it. No, but it just, it just was so amazing that you had to see it. And did you just have to see it once? I only had to see it once. <laughs> I'm like, I see your breakfast. <laughs> and then he ate it. And then he ate it. <laughs> I don't get it. I was hoping the photo would work, but it was fine. And again, like, I'm also, like, again, I can't. My stomach is, like, it's too early. Don't get it. So I was like, maybe this is also his just way of just being, like, need some time. I'm sorry. I made a toddler pod. That was me. <laughs> It's hard not to go toddler pod. Especially if we're all here having a having a sitcom together, so. Oh my god. Our life is a sitcom. Okay, I might have to edit this all out because it's not toddler pod, but the other thing is like, um, Annika uh, is a full doctor because more and more is sick. And so like today, Eagle Eagle, like her, her favorite stuffed animal is like a sloth in a blanket. She has a syringe like a what, is, what from a drop like a dropper yeah, yeah like a dropper yeah mm-hmm. she has a dropper she's like giving him medicine and like talking about his cough and like she's like fully administering to her stuffed animal and like while looking at our mother like he's she's looking across the room at more and like fully working on ego she's her other stuffed animals are in the the play kitchen and different rooms and isolation, like oh god. Again, like it's, it's before both of them. Like, you haven't seen enough to like know like the people go into rooms and stuff. Hospitals, you've right. been to hospitals. It's COVID times. You don't get to visit. You know, right? She's never. They've never been in. A, I mean, they haven't been to a hospital. Since but like, left. she is fully a doctor. Like, emotionally, all her play is about yeah processing her sick stuff animal. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah. Uh. Okay, back to Pro. Sorry, I did that. Yeah. Bobby ate a sandwich. Bobby ate a sandwich. <laughs> okay, so. Okay, so we've finished talking to all five little pigs. Stupid. It's stupid. But then all five of the people write their story of what happened those days. And it was, oh, yeah, so you reread more recently than me, so did anything big come out of those letters? Because I didn't get that far. Well, so here's the basic the facts. So it was hot. It was September. Um, and... Elsa, the 20-year-old, he'd started working on the painting, and then she went away, and then she came back. And there was, depending on which person you talk to, whether this was different, because Philip was like, he said it was different this time with this girl, and then Philip was said, you, say you that always say that. You always say that. Um, okay, so that's a great question. Like, was it different with her, enough for her to kill her husband? I mean, I she was thinking about killing herself, so maybe it was enough. Like, the woman was in but her I, house. I didn't think it was, because there was two differences that came out later compared to his other affairs. One, she was much, much younger. And two, she came to the house to be painted. 
Right, okay. But also, like, his thing was, like, when he wanted to paint, that's all he was focused on. And everybody else, he's like, just shut up. Just shut up. I have to do this thing. Which is an egotistic, artistic, like, I, I have my art and everybody else can go away. Um, so, um, then, so, like, they, everyone was there and there were several days where it was tense where Caroline was pretty much like who the hell are you young bitch in this house like I am annoyed by you like, right and they're they're kind of like yeah asserting power in different ways like Elsa's like I got your man and Caroline's like this is my motherfucking house but yeah. not in those words but like there's this energy going back and forth and then and then Elias Angela's is like my urge and then Amias it's still Amias <laughs> Why am I doing that? Where's Elias from? Anyways, Elias is like, <laughs> you're channeling my friend Jesse. <laughs> alias, so that alias says. Yeah, it's the Jesse who was here for dinner. Like, oh yeah, the guy Jesse. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, the yeah. one who can't say alias. So yeah, it's hilarious. Now you know. Um, and then and then the other two brothers are like, you know, just observing right. all this. Right, and then Angel is just annoyed at all of them and being a teenager. Right, and um, so. It came to a head because Elsa announced that she was going to redecorate the house. Yeah, they're all sitting here in the room, and she's like, this room would be nice if there wasn't all these terrible things in it. So when I live here, I'm going to get rid of all this trash furniture and do it this way, blah, blah, blah. And Carolyn is like, you going to buy the house? Right, and she's like, no, I'm when I marry your husband... She doesn't call him that, but right, yeah. yeah. And so, like this, like she's like, "No, you're not." And she's like, "Yes, I am." So then, um, are you in compilation of all the letters? Right. So I'm trying to do a compilation of all the letters. Then everybody kind of separates, and the men go and talk. And Amias is like, oh, "That was really annoying. Why'd she say that? I just want to finish the painting. It'll all work out. I just finish baking and be fine." And then. Um, but then he has a conversation with his wife that is overheard partially by Philip and partially by Elsa. Elsa. Um, or maybe completely by Elsa. Um, and they're arguing, but then they say, um, Caroline walks out and says they're arguing about Angela and says, we're talking about sending her to boarding school. Because apparently he said, I'll send her packing. Um, um, but then Elsa says, I heard her say, so Philip thinks it's about Angela. Right. Because Caroline came out. So again, this is as a reader, you're like, oh, send her packing and Angela knows that. So she killed him. I mean, but also she probably didn't realize she was killing him. She was like young and right. And then Elsa says that, um, she overheard them talking, arguing about her and saying that I'm going to leave you and. But then he does in Elsa's recounting in the letter, does she tell Praro that that a lot Amias said <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> is Eliza name? I don't know. Um uh does Elsa tell Praro that Amias said that he was gonna send Elsa packing? No. What she says she overheard was more a fight about me. A fight about her. Um. 
Um, then, um, Amias is like, I'm going to go paint. And then they went to go work on this painting that he'd been working on for a while. And Philip says he staggered a little bit as he was going down to paint. And he's like, it's super hot. And all the beer down there is hot. And Caroline says, we have some beer on ice. I'll bring it down. So she brings it down. And we had known from the beginning that she brought down a beer bottle and poured it into a glass. And that they found the hemlock, conine, whatever it is, in the glass, but not the bottle. Um, but in court, there was no fingerprints except for his on the glass or the bottle. And the fingerprints on the bottle were not in a way that anybody would actually hold a bottle. Right. Like it was, so it looks like someone wiped down the bottle and then, like, fake put his fingerprints on in a rush. Right. And we know that she discovered the body with the governess. Right. And then sent the governess for help. So she was alone with the body. Right. And so you're assuming... Oh, so so the the investigation at the time assumed that to fake his suicide, she put his fake fingerprints on. And then, like, as we start to fake... As we start to think that she's covering for her sister, we're like, okay, she sends the governess. She thinks, oh, my God, my sister did this. So right. sends the governess off and, like, puts his fake fingerprints knowing that it'll look fake. Or that they'll think it's suicide. But either way... Right, she was trying to, like, not... Because she thought she was covering for... Her she, sister. Her sister. And, and we find that out in the governess's letter... Because she says that she came back and saw her putting the fingers on. Oh, right. Because that's when the government was like, well, I know she did it. I know I she did her. it because I saw her put the fingers on there. And she was clearly try just trying to cover. And by the way, Caroline's entire defense, which was not great because the defense attorney kept on saying she wasn't really trying very hard, was that it was suicide. But nobody believed that because this is a guy who loved life. He loved everything about life. He was incredibly egotistical. And he didn't have... A conscience to be like, because it was the, the premise was like he felt bad about cheating and killed himself, which was not that right. Good. And nobody believed that, but she kept on pushing that that was her defense. Well, and she barely defended herself. She gave that story and didn't testify on her own behalf. She just basically was very passive as a defendant, right? Which you know, then you know, spoiler, we already kind of figured this out that she thought that her younger sister had done it as a mistake, and then. Um, was covered or not by, a mistake, but impulsive, right? Impulsive. Like, but in some way, right? Either it's a prank, or I'm poisoning you, and I don't really understand the repercussions of that because I'm young, or whatever. But either way, she thought her sister right. did it. So she definitely was like, I'm not going to defend myself because I don't want you to investigate too hard and then accuse Angela. Right. And I think for her, it was kind of like, if I take the fall for this for you, then like that makes us even right. square. And, um, and that's why she sent Angela away almost as soon as it happened. Um, so then, um, and it happened because when I was rereading and I didn't remember the real solution, I was like, because you know, there's that other one where the kid is the killer. Have we right. done that one yet on the pod? Um, I don't know. <laughs> We're getting so off. I don't think so. Yeah, I know. For reading and whatever. But I was like, oh, is the kid the killer? Ah, that's not a great solution. And then I was like, no, it's such a good red herring. It's such a good 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was like, I, again, I really like this book for that reason. Because it's a really good premise, and it's a really good, like, it's, yeah. Anyway, go on. So I was right, yeah, so they went down to go paint, and then he's painting, and he's doing a thing that he had done a million times, at all, where he would sit on his bench, and then every once in a while lift up his hand and, like, add a few, like, because he's at the end, so he would just keep looking. And then Elsa was sitting there posing, and they were chatting, and lots of people walked by. And then when it was time for lunch, he didn't go up. But everybody thought it was because of the fight earlier where, you know. And then they all went for lunch and then Caroline and the governess went down and discovered him dead. And then as soon as she discovered him dead, then Elsa freaked out and started attacking Caroline and was like, you killed him. Right. Um, and then they did arrest Caroline. So... Um, what we learned from the different things was Philip definitely talked bad about Caroline, but also said that, you know, there's a couple of reticent things in his thing where he was like, after Caroline and Amias married, I didn't talk to him for a while. And then I went back to being friends. Um, Meredith kept saying that he was like, Caroline was such a sweet woman, but, um, um, I can't remember if there's anything else about that. Um, uh, the governess revealed that she saw them putting the fingerprints, the fingers on, the dead fingers on. Oh, and then the one from the sister, from Angela, actually happened in the interview. Because I got there in my just most recent reread that didn't finish. So, in the interview with Angela, she says, I saw, um, my sister coming out of... Oh, yeah, Philip's room. Philip's room. And I didn't know what it meant at the time. It was like, okay, you're coming out of a room, no big deal, because I was young. But there was a look on her face. And later on in life, I saw a woman coming out of a hotel room that was not her hotel room in France. And that was the same look my sister had on her face. And I was like, <gasps> and then as, an, as an adult, she was able to say, like, that's the look of guilt that you have when you're coming out of a room you should be coming out of. Right. And then Pearl was like, but he hates her. And she was like, I know. I don't know what it means, but I just can tell you what I saw. And like, I, there was this moment where I saw my sister coming out of that room with this guilty look on her face. And so that just adds complexity to this whole thing. Cause like maybe, and then, and then Prara was like, that's interesting because there was something that rang false about how party hated her. Right. So and so it was sort of like a love actually situation. Totally. So, I'm trying to think if there's anything else from the letters. And then the letters finishes, and he gives them to Carla, the 21-year-old. And she reads them, and she's super depressed. And she's like, oh, my God. I thought you were going to find all this evidence that my mom was innocent, but everybody thinks she's guilty except for Angela. And why should we believe Angela? It's her sister. And Prara was like, don't give up now, because after reading these, I know she's innocent. And that's the only, like, Prara thing he does where he's like I know something you don't know <laughs> and we have to wait for the end for that yeah. to be revealed and okay ethics question yeah should he have given the daughter the like, knowing that this is her mother and her father and like knowing what we know about knowing too much about our parents and infidelity like do you like ethically is it the right thing to do to give her the stories like well, does it is it is it healing for you to know that, or is it is it more than you should know? Because there's definitely things that like I are more than I should know, and 
my life. Yeah, honestly. Like, I don't think that's a good question. Because, like, you know, the fact that, like, he was cheating and the thing and, like, all the stuff, like, right, she I mean, kind of knew, but to feel the detail of it, like, so the, that flesh scene, it out you're for right. someone. Because that scene is not, he could have done the denouement, like, he could have done the reveal without her reading the letters. Right, they're saying, like, what, what did it add for, to what end should that daughter read those letters? I mean, I understand to move the plot forward and it gives right, that because in this case. She's being the Hastings or something where she's like, what? And he's like, no, 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 I know she's innocent. Right. So in that Prowrowian um, dynamic, but also I can see ethically, why. But like, but he, he asks a good question earlier on where he was like, whenever I bring up the story about the little girl, like the five-year-old, everybody goes, oh, yeah. And he asks that question. He's like, why did everybody forget there was a five-year-old? Saying that as you and I can't not talk about the three-year-olds in the house. Right. So how right, and it? so, yeah, so he, he mentioned, I think it was to the governess? Yeah, he's like, how come or everybody... He's like, yeah, everyone's kind of looks at the five-year-old as an afterthought. And again, the governess was for the sister, not for her. She didn't right. have a governess. Yeah. And so... then and the answer, I think, which was from the governess, I believe, or from her sister. Maybe it was from the sister. I, I can't remember. It it wouldn't have come out the way it did from the man-hating governess, so it must have been from the sister. But it was sort of like, you know, she loved her daughter, but like, she was like she was encompassed by her love for him, and so like the the kid kind of came second. Yeah, it was interesting because everybody seemed you're like, oh yeah, that was kind of good. Like all of them, all of them, except and- for Angela, the other kid. Right, but uh, yeah, because it was like, if there's a five-year-old and a Because, oh, so the governess and Angela, the two women, right, were both like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to hear about her. Oh my God, like, want to be in touch, all the things. Like, they were like, her front and center, and he didn't lie to them. The other people, Elsa and the two brothers, were like, kid, what kid? And like, they even thought they were talking about Angela and not her. Right, right. I like, she was definitely an afterthought. And what? like, you're right, like, there's, when a five-year-old's around, you you notice it. Like, I have two five-year-olds in my life right now who are close friends of mine. And, like, you don't forget about them. Five-year-olds are very noticeable people in the room. Yeah. I mean, like, in the house. I mean, That's, yeah. yeah. So, so it, yeah. So, I, I don't know. So, that was my, my that was my question about the ethics of him showing her the Totally. Letters. Yeah. I totally agree. And it worked as a plot device. As a, as a, as a book device. But, like, yeah. I, but I wouldn't. I don't need to know that much detail. Like when no, I yeah. when I've gotten more detail, and it's because like for different reasons, I've gotten more detail about you know our parents as young people, and sometimes it's helpful because you can like see them as humans and like oh, it gives you some context. And sometimes you're like, I didn't know that. I didn't need to know that. Yeah. And so like it's interesting. Yeah. And we're also, I mean, because some of that happened last year when our dad passed away and we're in our 40s when that happens. You know, like, so we have a little bit more context. She's 21. She's 21 and about to get married. Like, right. And, like, she's yeah. trying to believe in love. <laughs> oh, getting married as a 21-year-old. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. It's, it's good to have a start of marriage. Yeah, it's a good start of marriage. Totally. Your first marriage was at 30? 32, actually. Yeah. Well, I know. You know, you live, you grow. Yeah. <laughs> so right. while we're while you get us back on track, I'm getting water, and in case it's loud, vamp for a minute. Uh, vamping. Um, okay. So, 
so then Paro, after he reads all the stories, he goes back and says, I have to ask each of the five one question. Although then it turns out he had no question for Angela, which was stupid. So then he was like, he went in just to bug her because he wanted symmetry. It was stupid. But anyway, he went to Philip and said, you said you hated Meredith, but I heard she came out of your bedroom. And he was Real like, guilty. What's going on there? And he was like, who said that? And he's like, dude, it happened. And he was like, well, but I hated her, but I loved her, but I hated her. But, and she came to me and I thought we were going to get married, but she, we totally didn't. And then I was mad and then I was okay. And then I wasn't. And then after the drama with Elsa, I, she came to my room and we had a moment, but then she said, I'm a one man woman and then left. So it didn't happen, so I hate her again. So that happened. And then he also, I can't remember the question he asked Meredith. Oh, was it, he asked exactly what order they came out of the room with all the, um, what you call it. Mm. Um, and it really what was. was the answer? It really was that um, Caroline came last, like no question. She really did steal the poison. Cause she, yeah, which, I'm, I'm, I don't know, because she was down, but, like, she also was a fighter and argued with him, and so I'm a little skeptical. I, I'm not buying about why, I don't, I'm not buying the explanation about why she stole the, the poison. In the book, it's like she was suicidal herself, and that's why she said she took it, because they did find it in her, but, anyway, but. But, I mean, I, I honestly, I mean. Amanda made a grimacing face. Thank you, thank you for, for explaining yeah. my, uh, um, for the, if you're not in the moment of considering suicide, all of the reasons sounds really stupid. Yeah, no. So, it could be, and, you know, it could be that she was legit considering it because of mental health, like, not just husband, but husband and mental health, and, like, right, and, like, I think there are times when a person feels my world is breaking. Right, but I never again, got that sense from any other description of her. They talked about her as a fighter. They talked about her being a good mom. They talked about her being passionately taking care but of remember, her sister. But remember how... I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it Angela or someone who was like... Yeah, there was a kid, but like she was... Amias was everything to her. Yeah. And like, maybe it was a little inconsistent in the description, but again, maybe it's not just... Because, like, yeah, I if guess... someone kills themselves for love, it's not about the love, right? It's about the, the suicidal ideation. And right. So I'm just saying... No, and, I, and I, I agree that could happen. I guess I was looking for any other evidence of that through the any of the stories. Like despondency or, like... Right. Or, you know, because, of course... Um, Agatha Christie and some of her, like, um, Mr. Satterwaite and Mr. Quinn books, there was people who had more suicidal ideation that made more sense. Yeah. But this one, like, she was sad. Right, and I don't think she would ever abandon her sister like that. Yeah. Or her daughter. Like, I mean, Right, and again, but just taking something... 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, not taking it in your mouth, but taking it in your hand. Right. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, she just, ha- like, maybe on impulse you do it because you're having, like, I could just end it all. And they're like, of course I'm not going to. I have a kid, my little sister, and, like, you know. But I, 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 I could see it. Okay. Because I, I, my, I, I reread it. I, like, I re, and then I went back and just, I, I was, my question was just, like, I never quite bought. It wasn't explained to me in a way that it didn't sell I, her depression to you. Yeah, they didn't sell her depression to me. Fair enough. Yeah, um, and not that that can happen, but like you know, because that, but I've seen her explain, or she wouldn't have used the word suicidal ideation, but she's had other people that were, and that it made sense. But here, the question he asked Meredith was with the order that came out. Um, the question they asked, uh, he asked Elsa was, did Meredith ask you to marry him after the trial? Um, what was the answer to that? Yes. Um, I can't remember the question. Meredith asked Elsa to marry him after the trial? Yeah. Yeah. Because there was like seven love triangles going on. Um, and then I can't remember the question he asked, um, well, the governess. But then when he got to Angela, he was like, I actually don't have a question. And he just went in for no reason. But then we have the David Ma, where he brings everybody together. And they go to the room that Meredith used to keep all the herbs. And the painting is there. you know. So he brings everybody together. And this is the first time they've seen each other in 16 years. And he brings the daughter, the 21-year-old daughter, and her fiancé. They're all in the same room. And then he goes to the thing. And he explains... That Caroline was totally covering for Angela and thought Angela did it. And one of the interesting things is that Angela kept talking about how, like, the summer kind of ran together. And one day ran into the other and she would have a fight with Amias. And then, and then suddenly, boom, it was over. Um, but when Miss Williams wrote her story, that morning of the murder, she couldn't find Angela. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to be in class and she couldn't find her. And so she even took the boat over to the... Because these two estates were next to each other. It would take a long time to drive around. Or you could take cross a little creek on a boat. Um, and so she went over and was like, have you seen Angela? At the same time, the Meredith was like, somebody took the conine or whatever, the deadly poison from my... Until the governess heard that? So, like, yeah, he she went over and said, I can't find Angela. And he was like, I haven't seen her. But he's freaking out because he's like, there's some of this poison, poison missing. missing yeah. But the governor's, the governor's never heard that the poison was missing. She was just looking. But it makes total sense that Angela could have gone and taken it. Right. Um, but it turns out that Angela went and took valerian. Um, and that's what she was going to put. And then... She finally found Angela, and Angela looked guilty, and she was by the fridge, by the beer, which is why Caroline was like, oh my God, she put something in the beer. Um, so, um, like, she sets this whole thing up of, like, this is why Caroline wrote what she wrote, and um, Angela did not want to share the letter that her sister wrote her at all. She was pissed about uh, Praro sharing it. Um, but then she, he's like, she thought you did it. She thought she was paying her debt. Da, da, da. Right. And then comes the real reveal, which is actually... Actually. 
Elsa did it. Because as he was finishing the painting, he was realizing that it was like, um, I think we were talking about this before we started recording, like that it was like infatuation with the piece and like right. how this was, the, and like I, you know, this was the most important piece of his life and like everyone thought this was like, and he thought this was his most important piece. And I think he was in love with her as a muse. And as he started to finish it, and and then as he she starts to be more and more of a dick in his house and like insulting his wife, and he's like, wait, no, you're just the perfect muse for this painting, but you're the worst. And then when he said, send your panty, packing, it was about her. Right, and so Caroline has a conversation. And he's like, of course I'm not gonna leave you for her. She's 20. I'm 38 or whatever he was. Right. I'm not interested in her. I'm interested in her as a painting. As soon as the painting is done, I'll send her packing. And then Caroline actually starts to feel sorry for Elsa. Mm -hmm. And says, oh, it's too cruel. That's like something that somebody, I can't remember, Philip or uh, Meredith heard her walk out and say, oh, it's too cruel. And they thought... Right, because Elsa was like literally redesigning the room thinking I'm going to be the lady of this house and it is kind of cruel because he got her expectations really up right and she's 20 I mean and that's the other thing they said is that the other affairs that he had were with women who were like yeah I understand it's an affair I'm older but she was young this is her first love and your first love you remember and then your first heartbreak you remember right because you're like oh yeah that wasn't supposed to happen for a reason um, and then, but she, it was probably really intense because he was an artist and it was like all about his, about this piece. And so he had so much passion about this piece, which was like his, in his opinion, his best piece and Praro agree, like it was, a, it was an amazing piece. And so he had so much passion, but it wasn't, it wasn't about her as a human. It was about her as a inspiration for this painting. Yeah. And so then, um, she overhears the conversation while Caroline switches from being, like worrying of that he's gonna leave her to feeling sorry for her, yeah, and that's the worst. Elsa is like, "Fuck both of you, I'm not gonna be feeling sorry. Nobody's gonna feel sorry for me." Right. She just feels used and stupid, and yeah. So then she saw Caroline take the conine from the thing and used a dropper, I guess. They said that there was a dropper that she had um, and took it out of the container from Caroline's room. So that Caroline had taken it and her fingerprints are on it. There's a whole bunch of... Um, right. right, and she was able to take it and not put fingerprints on it and like basically set use her Use a up. dropper. And then she put it in something else entirely. It wasn't the glass. Like she puts last bits in the glass. Um, and then since Caroline didn't know that, she thought it was in the bottle, and she thought Angela had done it. She didn't even, you know, uh, pay attention to that. And so he was already suffering the effects earlier when Philip was like, he's staggering. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when Carolyn brought him the iced beer and poured it for him, he was already poisoned. Right. And he was painting the woman who had poisoned him. And so there's this moment at the end of the book where... If you look at the painting, he is painting his murderer. Ooh. And she is young and cruel. And alive in that moment of knowing, like, she's being painted and watching him die. 
Ooh. And that's it. Then that's in the painting. Yeah. So that, and then she and Meredith go up to lunch and she knows that he's about to die. Like she knows that he can barely move. Um, and, and she feels very alive at that moment. And then not just Paro, but she says, I died that day. And in her personal, like, whatever it was, like her writing, she, she ends it by saying, I hate her, I hate her, I hate her, talking about Carolyn. But she hates Carolyn in because he never stopped loving his wife. Yeah. He just had a muse for, you know. And what's interesting is, like, her writing doesn't sound like a 36-year-old woman. It sounds like a 20-year-old. Right, like she froze at in that age, which is, you know, always happens when the trauma happens, you freeze at that age. Yeah. Well, the, or the trauma that you caused, but whatever. It's still but trauma. It's still trauma. Um, I mean, I've never killed someone, but I'm pretty sure that'd be a trauma. Like, I'm not saying, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, yeah. you did it, your own. Um, and then... Or the trauma of the heartbreak. They, like, right, should have like your this guess. or whatever, like my expectations, and then this, and like finding out that I'm nothing to you. Right, yeah, Maybe that's that trauma. I mean, like you know, we and as I said, we've all had our heart broken early on in life, and then be like, oh, and then we realize, oh, that would have been terrible. Um, but well. Maybe don't all of us realize that would have been terrible or was terrible or whatever. But you know, we have a heartbroken. You don't know. we all realize? I hope we do. Um. But I, you know, so then, so that's what comes out. And then everybody leaves except for Lady Didashim, Elsa. And Praro's like, I'm taking this to cops to see if I can get her a free pardon post, you know, posthumously. She's dead. And he's like, but they might not believe me. There's no evidence. There's absolutely no evidence that this actually happened this way. And, um, and then the end of the book is her just walking out and getting in her... Um, chauffeur driving her away because we don't actually know if anything's going to change, right? Except for for everybody else who was there. So now Angela knows that her sister went did it for her. Carla knows. Carlo's the daughter of Caroline. Knows that her mother wasn't a murderer. She knows that her mother wasn't a murderer. Um, but um, so the love triangles just to kind of like that was one of the things. So pause. Mm-hmm. Should we do a quick... Okay, we'll be right back. Okay, bye. And we're back. Okay, we're back. So, we uh, were about to talk about love triangles, and I want to direct listener to the Math of Love Triangles song from the show Crazy Girlfriend. It's an amazing piece. She's doing like a Marilyn Monroe, Diamonds Little Girl's Best Friend thing. Oh, nice. And she's surrounded by mathematician gay guys who were like not entertained at all so she's like what's a triangle everyone and then they're just like talking about like hypotenuse and like all this stuff and they're like that's not how any of this works and she's being cutesy and like marilyn and they don't um, care and they're and 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 they're just being like you're ruining all of this that's not how math works and <laughs> It's a really good, uh... Nice. Okay. Yay, time for book facts! A triangle is a polygon with three edges and three vertices. Take the base times the height, cut that in half to find the area of the surfaces. Uh-huh, I wasn't really listening, but I can see the center of the triangle is little old me. The math of love triangles. 
isn't hard to learn. You're not taking in what we're saying. We're a little bit concerned. But so the reason I brought that up is because you're bringing up all the different love triangles happening in this. So okay, we know we, so we've love got Elsa, Carolyn, Amias, Amias, which is the primary one. Right. But then we have Philip, Carolyn, and Amias. Right. Which apparently had been going on for a long time. And then Meredith... So he's pretending to hate Carolyn because he really loves Carolyn and is right. jealous. <laughs> Sushi just jumped on our lap again. She looked alarmed at me like, what do I do? Do we, I pet we, her? We both look... Well, I think Sushi and I both looked at you like, is this happening? <laughs> so Sushi is very much loyal to her humans, her specific humans cat. Right. She's also When 16. you guys were on vacation, she was like... You'll feed me, right? Just don't get in my way. Yeah. And I won't pee on your stuff. Probably. I might, though. Yeah. I got, like, seven pets in there. That was record-breaking. That was impressive. So then there was the Philip... Uh, yeah, so Philip, Carolyn, Amias, love triangle, that had been going on since they were, like, in high school. But he's like, I hate her because I really love her and you got her. Right. Or because she chose you. And then there was the love triangle that totally just seemed thrown in at the end that Meredith said that he was all about Carolyn, but actually he was in love with Elsa, too. I forgot about that one because it's dumb. It's dumb. It's super dumb. And, like, you're right. Like, you like him as either a asexual or gay friend or, or was in love with Meredith or... No, he's... Sorry, boy Meredith. Girl Carolyn. Also... But, like, him being in love with, like, the young, terrible person. Like, it just doesn't track with his character. Right, because he would have been... So, let's say that Philip and Amias were 38. So, he was supposed to be two years younger. He would have been 36. So, he was, like, the 36-year-old in love with the 20-year-old. I mean, either way. And also, like... Also, like, beautiful, but the worst. But also, everything else they described about him... I was like, oh, he's the gay best friend. He loves Carolyn in, so, like, right. the gay best friend way. Like, he loves Carolyn. Right, and, and he th- likes his science and his plants and all the things. And he like, stays home because the world is unfriendly to gay men. So, like, all right, of and that. Right, and I got, like, yeah, and I could, again, it's hard because it's Agatha, but, like, it's like, okay, he's either giving neurotypical, the world is big and loud, mm-hmm. I'm going to be in my laboratory, mm-hmm. or... Gay. The world is big and straight. <laughs> right. But it, but either way, like, this beautiful asshole, him falling for her doesn't really track. Right. And so, yeah, like, him falling for Elsa just seems stupid. Because there's no, like, she doesn't seem to have any redeeming qualities apart from her youth and beauty. Right. And he seems like a really thoughtful person who wouldn't just right. fall for Cause, youth Because Proro kept on saying that he didn't buy that he was the loyal friend to Carolyn from his description. And in a way, and I thought, well, yeah, what I got was gay best friend. Not like that he was in love with Carolyn, that he loved her as right. that relationship could be. And that's one of the frustrating things about Agatha is that there were other books written at this time. Raymond Chandler, and we talked about this, that other books written in America do reference that there is a gay subculture out there. Now, there's a lot of judgments and horrible things about but at least it acknowledges that it exists. But right. Agatha 
it doesn't exist at all. Right. You know, it's just, just not a, you know, and I'm sorry if you're solving hundreds of mysteries, Praro, who, by the way, Praro gets off all this energy. This, this, this motive is going to come up at some point. Right. The odds are, I mean, we all know, but because Agatha Christie was operating in this very small, in some ways, world, it just never comes up. So that love triangle never made sense. But it, there was at least two love Yeah, triangles. I forgot about that one because it doesn't make sense. But it that doesn't one make comes sense. up. Um, and then there's the, it's not a love triangle, but there's definitely a triangulation happening between Angela, Carolyn, and Amias. Like the triangulation, like, right? You know I mean? Right. Like with it's the, not like a, a family yeah. dynamic, but that's happening. Yeah. So there's another love triangle, and then of course the fact that the five year old who was the daughter of Amias and Caroline should have been part of a triangle, like you know her parents and her should have been like a whole triangle thing, but that wasn't right. really happening. Or at least, at least not that. Yeah. Um, but the overall premise of the book. Is that Agatha Christie is getting old and she hates young people? No, like, <laughs> but um, Angela is dangerous. Carolyn, when she was young, was dangerous to Angela. Elsa is the murderer. Angela is the one that um, yeah, Carolyn women thought was a woman. young woman or young women like fifteen to twenty are real scary in this book. Yeah, they are, and it's like yeah, so youth and is, men are stupid and. Or talented or whatever, but they're not scary. Right. But, like, the most dangerous people in the book are Angela and Elsa, who are 16 and 20. And, yeah, is it woman or is it youth or is it both? I don't and know. Carolyn, because she did hurt that baby. Right. All she, of, right? When she was, yeah, when she was that age. And so, like, yeah, that's... You're right. Like, yeah, young, like, adolescent and young adult women are, are scary and and have... Like, boundaryless rage or... Which, you know, as somebody who works with teenagers... Um, How old was Agatha Christie's daughter? Is this... Oh, good point. <laughs> I know, right? Or she... Is this just shade to her daughter? That is a really good question. Right. Did she have a teenage daughter at this point where she's like, oh, God. I mean, as somebody who works with teenagers okay, all the time... Rosalind Hicks was born in 1919. <laughs> So she would have been 23. <laughs> Shade. Yeah. Shade. This was definitely Agatha being like, oh my God, you're a dangerous young person. You're a dangerous, terrible person. You won't <laughs> always be. It's, it's your age, not who you are. I mean, it is true, having worked with young people and all of the research, that your frontal lobe doesn't stop doing its thing until you're 25. Which I have is... the same theory about 7th graders. It's not specifically for women, but I think all people are the devil in 7th grade. Oh, God, yes. Which is why 7th teach... grade teachers are saints because, like, everyone's Definitely. a why I do not teach in 7th grade. Because I am no... Oh, God. Oh, my God. Her daughter was this age. Yeah. Or was just, just, just passing this it. age. Yeah. And so, like, she's writing this with the wrath of, like, I can't... <sighs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> But it's hilarious. interesting because that's that's working out some anger because it's not just saying that you're a rebellious teenager. It's like you are dangerous. Dangerous. And Angela wasn't actually dangerous, but she did put slugs in someone's bed. That's a lot. 
which is really fucking And annoying. she was about to put Valerian in his drink, which, like, you know, I don't know what that would do, but it's not great. Yeah, it's not great. So, yeah, so interesting, yeah. So this is this is her expressing that I really, 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 really hate Teenagers suck. Young, really Teenage daughter sucks. Therefore, yeah, I mean, this is definitely, like, all about hating teen. you know. Um, and then, okay, you brought up, before we started recording, and then I spiraled, that we have been a miss on the Porsche scale for a really long time. Like, you brought it up, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't remember when the last time we Porsche scaled at all. Me neither. So... Now, we gotta do it. So, I want you to Porsche scale this. Well, it's hard. It's not not one of my favorites. It doesn't give me pleasure to read it. It's interesting. It's well written. The plot is interesting. The way she plays with it. All of that is true. But in terms of, like, my Porsche scale is, will I go back? My Porsche scale is Porsche. Uh, will I go back and reread for pleasure as a comfort? And this is not comforting. Matter of fact, you know, this is all about young women or evil, dangerous people. Um, so it's hard because it's like, for me personally, I don't like rereading this one. I haven't reread this one a lot. Because it doesn't, it's not my comfort reread. But it's a good plot. And it's interesting and surprising. It's not a number. None of those words are numbers. Hey, no one. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> God, that's hard because I feel like I have two different, like, I should have a scale for, like, rereading and a scale for plot. But, I mean, mashing it all together, I guess I would call it a seven. Okay. Okay. No one asked for a demand scale, but I'm going to say this. this is actually one of my favorites. Really? I like the cold case element. I like, yeah, I think the, I think that, I just think that the plot construction and, like, the way he gets there is really smart and interesting. I think the false, like, the way she was protecting her sister, like, that's an interesting false idea of who did it. And and it makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's a good, like, because there's always, like, the person that they're tricking you to think it is, and it's not that person. And I, I think in this case, like, I just... This one feels almost like modern in its construction, like in terms of like, and that it's it's happening through interviews about something sixteen years ago, and then the letters, and like, I would agree that going back and asking one question and then like not having a question for everyone, there's and the pigs thing, the pigs thing. <laughs> there's definitely, I would, I have some criticisms, but I think that in terms of like, good books, this is one of my top. Oh, no, okay. it doesn't give me like what in the X Evans Joy, right, or like Tommy and Tuppen's Joy. <coughs> but in terms of like a really good mystery, this is one of my top. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, By the way, one other rant, which we had talked about before we rant, started. Rant, do it. Everyone, everyone, from the cops to the prosecutors to the, <coughs> everyone said, this happened so long ago, 16 years. Now, when I read this for the first time in high school, I was like, oh my God. That's so true. 16 years ago was so long. Oh my God. When I read it, reread it now, I'm like, 16 years ago was 2006. Yeah, that's yesterday. I remember, like, there. I hear popular songs from 2006, and I'm like, oh yeah, that was just popular. Popular clothes from 2006. I'm like, that just happened. Like, 2006. Okay, I agree. As it comes to, like, 
generally like job and life and culture, yes. But like, who were you dating in 2006? I was married to my ex. And what year of being married? To it was, we were two years in. Okay, so that's a really long time ago. Fair. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm saying like, and, and by bringing up your ex, I'm bringing it up because of like, trauma. So, it's like, fair. A murder that have like, if, like again, like if, if something bad happened to me 16 years ago, I'd be like, I've just that behind me like 16 years ago, right? Like, right, right. If, if someone, it, let's say your ex or something happened from like, like, you got a letter about, like, this happened in the second year that you were married to your ex. You need to address this. You'd be like, that's so long ago. I can't. Right? right like, you'd be like, true. I'm in a different stage of life. I'm remarried. I have kids. So like, if something came up that happened in your first two years of marriage to your okay. ex, and that came into your life now, you'd be like, what? Because, right? You're right. You're like, right. I, I can be like, 2006 yesterday, but I'm also like, who was I dating? And that's, like, before the person before my ex-wife. You know, like... <laughs> You like, right, you know, trying right. to, like, fair, something fair, came up then, fair. I'd be like... Okay, okay, you're right, you're right. So like, okay. if, that way, like, if something came up, like... Right, yeah. I guess, because when I realized that he was talking to a lot of people that were, like, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and they were, like, 16 years ago was so long ago, now that I am, I was like, what? But I more can be... Like, if you were, like, the lawyer and looking back and saying, I've had a lot of cases, trying to remember something that was in a lot of cases 16 years ago. Um, right, but, like, what if they were, like, in Constitution Club in 2006, someone says that you were rude to them and you ruined their life and now they want to, whatever. Like, you as a Constitution Club coach, you'd be like, mm, I don't remember any of that. Right. True. Like, can you remember what happened in Constitution Club in 2006? Yeah, because it was the first one. It was the very first one, so I remember it. But it feels like a long time ago. True. That's true. Yeah. Like, yeah. so you, something could have happened that year. Right. Yeah. But yeah. if it came up now, you'd be like, now? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Okay, fair. But I think, I think both things are true, right? Both like, I feel like, true. in our perspective as people in our old age... Can feel like sixteen years. Middle is age, middle age. Hello, middle. We're middle. Middle age, but like can be like sixteen years, nothing. But also sixteen years is like a lot has happened in my life since then. Yeah, especially because as an adult, so many things run together, and you're like, was that this year or that year? Because when you're little, I can remember every year when I was in high school vividly because they were very distinctly different, and every year in college because they were very distinctly different. But once I started working. That's when the weird years are like, was that that year or yeah, that year? Because totally. there's not distinct, there's no nothing distinction unless it's like something traumatic, like, oh, I'm gonna remember when you know All dad right. died. So we got a seven for this book, and because you brought it up, the fact that we've been missing out, I'm making you do a retrospective Porsche scale. Oh God! Rapid fire, and we're adding cocaine blues in because it's also a book. So. Hit me with cocaine blues. No, 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 wait. Last one, the last one we talked about was NRM. NRM. Ooh, love NRM. NRM gets a nine. NRM gets a nine. Okay, going back, cocaine blues, the first Brandon Fisher book. Ooh. Ah, God, that gave me so much pleasure. I have to say an eight, eight and a half. Eight and a half. Okay. Uh, one, two, buckle my shoe. Um... That's a lower one for me, but the Praro one's just, it's funny. This is called Praro Pods, and I'm like, bah, but the Praro books. 
Marble Plat doesn't have any alliteration, though. Yeah, I know. But uh, it takes her so long to get to Marble. We've only read, we've only read like one Marble on the pod. I know, right? Um, uh, let's do seven and a half for one, two, buckle, one shoe. No one asked for an Amanda scale, but again, for me, it's body in a box. I never, like, once you put a body in a box, mm, we're dropping <laughs> down, we're dropping down. It gets, it got too visceral for me. But yeah. I get it, I get it. Okay. Evil Under the Sun. Ooh. That one creeps me out. Six and a half. Uh, Mercado Mystery and other stories. The wait with the... Oh, that's... Yeah. Um, uh, eight. Okay, okay, okay. Sad Cypress. Oh, shit. What's that one? Um, I wrote the Breast Praro novel, yeah, so apparently I liked it. <laughs> I can't even remember what the plot is. Oh, this is the one where someone's like, someone's trying to take your inheritance from your wealthy aunt. Go visit her. And then that wealthy aunt dies. Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Okay. Oh, that's right. It's kind of convoluted. Uh, seven. Okay. <laughs> Apparently I liked it because I wrote it so it was the best yet. Um, and then there were none. Oh, I won't maybe put a number on that. There's a lot of layers to that number. Oh, you can God. put a number if you want to, but if you want to do it, you can get a skip if you want. Yeah, it's, it's just, again, like there's so many layers because like the plot, amazing. But it's sad and creepy and racist. Sad, creepy, and racist, and there's no one to root for because everyone is awful. Right, like it's smart, but I hate it. Yeah, it's so smart, and I hate everyone in it, and hate it. Okay, the man who died twice. Oh, is the that se- the the second Richard Osman book? Oh, those are just so fun. Yeah, that's got to be an eight and a half or nine, okay. right? Uh, Murder is easy. That's where the old lady did it, right? Yeah, the the description is what is Miss Marple was a murderer. Yeah, that one's kind of fun. Um. Yeah, it's been a while since I've thought about it, but like, I don't know, an eight? Okay. How far back are we going? Okay, well, I feel like we haven't done this for a while, and I also like making you overlap, because I can compare your numbers to the previous one. Oh, God. Uh, Hercule Poirot's Christmas. It's trash. It's only trash. <laughs> That's the one with the fake mustache, and he had to get, like, somehow he had Amazon overnight a fake mustache, so he could, like, figure it out. That was that's what bothers you? Yes. I don't know if it's trash. Pelicarp. What? <laughs> Pelicarp. Pelicarp. That's the one. Pelicarp. Pilocarp. Remember that? Yes. I can't remember. I don't have enough of an opinion. It's been long enough now that I've read it okay. again. We're giving you a five on that one because you don't remember it. Okay, fair. Um, appointment with death. Oh my god, what's that one? <laughs> See, that's the one that should be the dentist one. Oh, that's right. Yep. Like, the, that title. One, two, one, my shoe should be called Appointment with Death. It definitely should be. Oh, yeah, that's the horrible mom. That's the horrible mom. I keep thinking Evil Under the Sun is Appointment Under the Death. It's Appointment with Death. 
because appointment that doesn't make any sense but that's the horrible mom that everybody wants to kill and then she gets killed and then they still are like controlled by her oh vacation horrible mom vacation horrible mom yeah okay yeah Ugh. that one is just not it's not fun it's not yeah oh, god that's like a six it's still a good plot but you know okay murder in the muse i enjoy that one i'll say eight Okay. Oh, I remember that one. That was that was smart. That one is a good one. Uh, Death on the Nile. It depends. Are we talking, you know, Mia Farrow? Because you know, nine, nine and a half. Okay. I I, I was reminded my my description reminds me because it says a great book which Amanda hated, which reminds me that I do hate that book even though it's good. No one asked me. Uh, Dumb Witness. Oh, the dog. There's a dog. I really remember points for the dog. Uh, but that's not a good reread for me. I think that's a seven. Okay. I don't know the last time we did this, so I'm, I'm gonna keep really going. Can't. I can't remember scores. Okay, so cards on the table. Maybe we did a score for that one. Cards on the table is a good reread for me, and it's a good plot, and it's fascinating, and it's very good pro pro y pro So I'm gonna say it's a nine. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Okay. We might be cut up now if we yeah, go I to... Yeah, I kind of feel like there is. ABC Murders? Oh. Um, that was really good. It's really good. Yeah. It kind of feels like a little bit out of her lane. But, you know... And I don't know enough about the literature of that time. Like, did she invent the lane, though? Yeah, I mean, fair. The serial killer thing? Um, like, that's a good eight, though. I mean, because it's good. Yay, we did it. Okay. Whew. Okay. So, uh, what's our next book? We have not been good at announcing the next book because we've just been, like, you know, getting through life. Yeah, so for our... We have one fan who has written to us. Oh, by the way, thank you for saying I was right, Kat. I knew she'd tell the story on the pod. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, I've repeated myself. It's okay, but it's fun. Okay, so... Not everybody listens to everything. You're just letting them... You're giving the joy of the Vivian story to multiple episodes. That's fine. The next one is The Body in the Library. Yeah, Miss Marple. So good. Yes, Miss Marple. Yeah. That one's a great Okay, one. Body in the Library next. Read it, guys, so that you can, like, follow along with us next time. Very exciting. We're getting deeply into Miss Marvel. And this is, like, the title that... It's funny, because we've been reading the Franny Fisher. They keep using this title as, like, the title of, like... Everything. Yeah. It's a quintessential. Yeah. It's And it's so good. It's so good. Oh, so I'm really excited to get into Miss Marvel. Like, I think, and again, like, especially now we see, like, Agatha's, like complex relationship with Poirot, like, and then she, I think she, you know, brings in Marple to be like, right, I need, yeah, a different detective that she can relate more to. I mean, they're still completely with. asexual, because <laughs> all of her detectives are asexual. Nothing wrong with that. We support the LGBTA, A, Q, T, plus, 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 I'm sorry, plus, Sherlock, Marple, Poirot, I'm sorry. All detectives 
in all literature don't have to be asexual. <laughs> I mean, because but I think there's this implied like if they're asexual, then they're uh, objective. I mean, they're they're not spending their energy on sexual attention, so they have brain cells left. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I mean, of course, there are people, and it would make sense that there are people who are of the A and the LGBTQIA. But the odds that all detectives are is the part where it's like you're just kind of avoiding having them have a home life. So right, both things can be true. All right. So next, so read the book, the body in the library, and we will see you guys. Not see you. We will. We won't hear you. You'll hear us <laughs> next time on Paropod. Paropod. Paropod.